0: Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? No, I thought not. It's not a story the Jedi would tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise. He could use the force to influence the midi-chlorians to create life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural.
1: Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here, in the Wampa's Lair. Hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 397, Temptations and Tempters. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt. And with me, the Lord Vader to my
2: Emperor Palpatine. We have uh, Carl LeClaire. This is not the dark side. No, it's not. It's not the east or the west side. No, it's not. It's the dark side. You are correct.
1: (laughs) Get in front of the Empire. All you Vader haters out there
2: will blow your planet (laughs) out. I screwed up my lines, but I'm so glad you remembered correctly. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Oh, my goodness. So uh, we are doing uh, kind of uh, almost like a mini part two to last week's episode where we looked at some of the big wisdom characters of star wars and this week we want to look at the the tempters there are so many temptations throughout the story of star star wars so we're going to look at a few of those types of characters this week um picking just some specific specific temptations that come up from these particular characters and and how those play out in the story um but before we do We, of course, had a matchup from last week, which was a bit of an interesting one and had some great responses, like always, where we pitted Maz Kanata versus Quill, I have spoken. And uh, there were quite a few responses, Jason. What did the Larians have to say about this new style of matchup?
1: Oh, man. Well, they said quite a bit and uh, quite split, actually, uh, because our Larian total here between Maz versus Quill... Is 39 for Maz Kanata and 34 for Quill. That's almost a dead heat, Carl. That is. Uh, (laughs) I don't think Quill can come back, even if we both vote for him. But where do you fall on this matchup?
2: Oh, boy. Um, I've gone back and forth quite a bit with this one. My initial thought was Quill. And then I was like, I don't know. I think it's Maz. And then I went back to Quill. Um, So I'm going to say... I'm going to say Quill still, though, Um, and here's why. Only because, yes, we see Maz actually in a short action sequence in Last Jedi. Um, She's been around for a long time, but Maz is also a huge proponent of peace. Um, So I feel like she doesn't have too big of an interest in knowing combat skills, whereas I feel like Quill, who's been working with his hands his entire life and has had to deal with some stuff, I don't know why, but I just feel like He'd be more of a a scrapper in a fight. So I give him the slight edge. Um, But I'd say it's very close. What do you think?
1: Man, uh, I'm going to be
2: very, very close here
1: too. And I went back and forth all week on this. Um, I really did. But I am going to give it to Maz uh, just by a a hair, you know, one of the whiskers off of Quill's face or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I, I do think because you know she has been around longer and you know does have that action you know that 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 experience and we did see her in that action sequence. I'm going to give it to her. Even you know she's got the jetpack and the years of experience. Quill's got the blurgs and his tech experience. It's a real close match. Like this is this is a scrapping you know duo and they're going to end up rolling on the ground you know. Clutching at each other's throats, probably, um, if this was actually real. But um, I'm going to give it to Maz just, you know, out of experience. And, you know, even though she is a proponent of peace, um, I think she's got the knowledge and the, the experience to, to just outlast Quill. So, um, but that gives us a final tally of 40 for Maz and 35 for Quill. So, still a very, very close matchup, and I'm really glad that it ended up that close because, uh, I, like I said, I almost couldn't make my decision until just now. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, we will have a poll for you at the end of the at the end of the episode. Also, at the end of the episode, we are continuing our uh, a New Hope radio drama journey. Uh, and tonight we're up to episode eight, Death Stars Transit. This is a very intense episode with the, uh, the torturing of Leia. Um, it's, it's intense. Yes. Um, and uh, so yeah, viewer discretion advised. <laughs> um, but it's, it's uh, i I just love this radio drama so much. So if, if you've been following along, obviously at the end of, at the end of the episode, um, stick around for that. We've, we're coming around to the end of the stretch here for the for the radio drama. Indeed,
1: indeed, it's good stuff, and it just gets better from here. Um, so, but uh, Carl, we've got some tempters and temptations. We do,
2: oh. yeah. Right, so it's the temptations. We going back to the seventies. <laughs> <70s? No. laughs> that was kind of my thought, yeah. Um, <laughs> but right, so in this, it just you know, like last week, we looked at how so much of Star Wars. You know, our, our, our protagonist characters often find themselves given wisdom and guidance by particular characters who have their own knowledge and experience to share and to pass on and to, to help our, our usual hero character on their own journey. But contrast that to these tempter characters, these characters who try to pull usually our kind of main characters off their course, um, and you can't talk temptations and tempters without, of course, looking at the original tempter of all of Star Wars, which is good old Papa Palpatine, Darth Sidious himself. Um,
1: Excellent. <laughs> Everything is going as planned.
2: <laughs> um, but there, I, obviously there are so many great moments of temptation that Palpatine um, – has. Uh, but interestingly enough, Jason, I went with one from Return of the Jedi. Um, oh, good. Because, there again, obviously, the story of Anakin in the prequels is really the story of Anakin's corruption by Palpatine. But Palpatine never stops tempting. So no. the first thing I want to look at is uh, a scene from Return of the Jedi. God.
3: Break me down with all of your hatred and your journey towards the dark side will be complete.
2: I love that. I love that moment. (laughs) Um, Also, I wish you could all see Jason on my video feed. He acted it out perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) He sits and cringes just right.
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, I may or may not have seen that scene just a few times.
2: Um. (laughs) It's so, it's so good. Um, but I, I, this temptation here that, that Palpatine is making towards Luke is it's a very regular one for him, which is given to your hatred and the power of your anger. Um, and I love how these these lines so perfectly match up with that moment in Revenge of the Sith. You know, I can feel your anger. It gives you focus, <laughs> um, right? It's it, Palpatine is the character who wants you to always – Let your anger drive you. And Mm -hmm. he's giving Luke permission to act on his anger and act on that hatred. Um, Luke, he knows Luke has a desire to lash out at him. That, you know, the emperor is the kind of embodiment of evil. And he's saying to Luke, go ahead, strike me down. And, you know, it's kind of this, this invitation to kind of that base animalistic human part of yourself, right? When someone does you wrong, when somebody, uh, you know, very evil comes into your life, you know, you kind of have that sensation, that desire to just kind of lash out with anger. Um, And, you know, in a certain way, Jason, I I just want to say how poignant this will be right now for the coming month because – obviously here in the States, we've got a intense month ahead of us with, with a very big election just over a month away. There's going to be a lot of angry people. Um, Yes. And you know, it's, it's just him. I think it, it, you know, what Palpatine is kind of offering here though, is he's, he's anger is there's nothing wrong with anger. It's okay to be angry, but what Palpatine is trying to get Luke to do is just live and stew in that hatred and that anger. Let that be what guides every decision you make. And, you know, anger has its place. Um, anger can empower you for sure. But if that anger is only rooted in hatred, it's it's just so corrupting. Um, and I think that's how the Emperor is trying to corrupt Luke here, is, is he's saying, I know you're angry, do something with it. Right? And and I think that temptation exists in all of us when when somebody treats us poorly or um, You know, just kind of does us wrong. There's that impulse to just be angry and act out of that anger and, and do something to strike out at them. Um, mm-hmm. But that's problematic, right? Like, that's, once again, it's reducing you to kind of your, your base animal self. And, um, you know, we're supposed to be more than that. You know, even... Anakin recognizes that in Attack of the Clones, which, by the way, like as you know, and anybody who follows us on, on social media, I've been watching a lot of Attack of the Clones the last couple of days, and I'm just yeah. all about the Attack of the Clones. Um, but right, but Anakin says, "I know I'm better than this. He knows he's better than just that anger. You know, anger is not something to be ashamed of, but it's something to be conscious of. How do you want to how do you want to express it? And what the Emperor is saying to Lucas, express it by being hateful. Um, so." What I think is really interesting about this temptation scene as well is how Luke does respond. He does give in. He does, right? Like his yeah. his eventually Palpatine tries to make him realize like this is it. Your rebels are your friends are going to be wiped out on the moon. That fleet's going to get wiped out by my fleet. Everything's lost. And I feel like it's this moment of desperation then for Luke, as he does give into that temptation of, like, well, I've got to at least end this guy. I've got to cut the snake's head off, right? And he right. calls that saber to his hand and he strikes. Now, I have a quick theory. This is a little bit off topic, but I have a quick theory about this scene now in light of Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine is obsessed with corrupting first Kylo, but when that fails, Rey. Right mm-hmm. He wants to inhabit their body, he wants to send their spirit his spirit into them and inhabit them um, and you know live vicariously through them I'm really curious if that's what Palpatine wants Luke to do. He actually wants Luke to strike him down. He wants Luke to cut him down and then inhabit Luke now again, this is obviously a theory that I just have in light of episode nine. This is not something I would have thought of before that, but the reason I feel like that might actually hold up is because i've always asked myself. Why does Darth Vader stop him? Why intervene? Right? Because Darth Vader immediately deflects Luke's blow. And I still don't know why Vader does that. And I'm sure lots of people have their theories. But my, my new theory in light of Episode Nine is because Vader is also aware of what Palpatine wants to do to Luke. And he doesn't want that to happen to his son. So him deflecting is actually saving Luke from a far worse fate. Um, that's just my two cents in light of Episode Nine.
1: It's an interesting theory. Um, I'd have to give some thought to it. My always, you know, there's always the, you know, pretty basic line of thought that I've usually gone with is that, you know, at this point, Vader is still the Emperor's protector. So, mm, yeah, you know, uh, but it's a very interesting theory and it would not be out of the realm of Palpatine's options. Because Palpatine always has options within his options, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, which is what makes him so good at, at planning on the fly um that if he did get struck down perhaps he was he was you know ready to try and overtake Luke. I don't know. You know. Yeah it's it's a possibility. So um it's definitely something to consider. Sure. But uh yeah no I, I do like it. Um the interesting thing about these temptations uh that I've noticed at least in my list is um, they usually never end well. Um, mm. uh, for one or more of the people involved in them. Um, for example, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my Palpatine yeah. one. Uh, and I'm going to uh, Palpatine is you know obviously like you said just full of temptation all throughout the saga, um, even into Episode Nine, uh. But the crowning achievement of his temptations is, of course, the turning of Anakin. And so I'm pulled out a specific temptation here from Revenge of the Sith: the temptation to cheat death.
3: Mm. Um,
1: and of course, this is directly aimed at Anakin. Starts off in the um, the opera box with the you know the story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Uh, Being able to keep the ones he cared about from dying, you know. Um, But then when he gets Anakin to turn, it's sort of revealed he goes, you know, to cheat death is a power only one has achieved. But if we work together, I know we can discover the secret. So he keeps Anakin attached to him Mm -hmm. in that regard. Uh, but this temptation is the one that finally hooks Anakin to pull him over the dark side, because he's been working on him. He we saw him give the temptation of you know you becoming greater than all Jedi, even more powerful than Master Yoda in Attack of the Clones. You know he he's been feeding Anakin this stuff, and we can assume he's been feeding Anakin this stuff over the years, um, ever since he told him that he would watch his career with great interest. You know, (laughs) when the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic tells you that you're going, he's going to watch your career with great interest, and you're not quite ten? That's a big deal. So, um, but yeah, it's been a, you know, obviously this is a culmination of things that Palpatine does before he sets this particular hook, but this is the one. This temptation, the power to cheat death, to save the ones he cares about from dying, is the one that hooks Anakin. It's also interesting to note that it's the one that Palpatine himself is trying to achieve. Hmm. Uh, just and That is in light of Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he doesn't... He kind of does, but not really. Like, his spirit is there sort of but it's like the last vestiges of him there are in revenge of the sith or uh, rise of skywalker but yeah in revenge of the sith this is that is the temptation to to turn anakin and of course turning anakin is the creation of darth vader which brings about a whole world of pain and suffering not only for anakin skywalker but for anyone who is close to him so
2: i love i love the way you put that 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 that, that temptation um, which is ultimately a lie to some degree, because he doesn't actually have that power. <laughs> right. um, but I would, in, in the same way, like, yes, that's obviously the temptation that directly leads to the creation of Darth Vader, but it also leads to the ultimate ironic tragedy of Anakin, which is, this is what enslaves him to Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. That's, that's the whole tragedy of, of the prequel trilogy is you have this good, pure s- child who's also a slave Becoming enslaved once again. And what ultimately enslaves him is that need to cheat death, that need to keep Padme alive. Um, so I, I, I just really like that the way you kind of are, are, are construing this as the worst of all temptations is, is that he's going to always dangle that like a carrot in front of Anakin. Yeah. You know, you need me to discover yeah. that power. Um, yeah. and while I haven't read most of the Vader comics that have come out in the last few years, I know a lot of them are really great, but it does seem that part of Vader's own personal continuing quest is to try to f- uncover some sort of power to bring Padme back. And I know I am probably stretching a bit here. Um, cause I've not read many of them, but from the, the little bits that I've gathered, it seems like that's something that still Vader that keeps Vader obsessed. Um, and why he still is kind of, Beholden to, to the emperors because he is still hoping to find some sort of power to restore what he lost, I think. Um, okay. But it's ultimately what's keeping him enslaved.
1: That is actually very interesting and now it's got me very curious to go find some of the new Vader comics that I have not kept up with. So, yeah, there's
2: been so many. So um, yeah. And again, I could, be, I could be misdirecting what those storylines are doing, but from the little bit that I've seen... Um, And what folks have shared. um, I feel like that's that's an element of what's been going on. Which is a great which I think is great. (laughs) So no, definitely. um, But speaking of the creation of Vader, obviously another big tempter in Star Wars himself. uh, The temptee becomes the tempter in Darth Vader. Yes, And, um, you know, there's there's a right at the start of the duel between Anakin or between Anakin between Vader and Luke on cloud city, as Luke is fighting Darth Vader and sort of seems to have a very brief upper hand in the carbon freezing chamber. Um, before right before Luke knocks him down, Vader says, release your anger. Only your hatred can destroy me. So mm. somewhat similar to my previous point with, with Palpatine there, once again, Vader is also telling Luke to give into his hatred to act out of that anger. Um, Right. Go ahead. Release that anger. Go ahead. You know, I'm your biggest enemy. I killed your, you know, in Luke's mind, this is who killed his father. It's also the one who struck down Ben and Luke really wants to destroy him. And Vader's saying, well, the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you once again kind of go to that base animalistic side of yourself and just stew on that hatred and become you know become rooted in that hatred of me and strike out with that anger that's how you're going to defeat me so um what I think is really interesting about this particular temptation though is what it more so it reveals about Vader Vader really does believe that he's worth hating Um, And we've talked about uh, that old Legends comic a number of times where Darth Vader fights Darth Maul. And he ultimately kills Darth Maul by stabbing him through himself. And Maul says, what could you hate more than me? And he says, myself. Um, But I think it's also very interesting in this moment that, you know, Vader is once again showing how twisted his mind is. It makes me think of that moment in Revenge of the Sith when he says to Padme... You know, um, love won't save you. Only my new powers can do that. So Vader, once again, is is kind of wrong. He thinks, what's it going to take to destroy him? Well, someone's going to have to hate me enough to kill me. But the reality is what ultimately destroys Darth Vader is Luke's love for him. So, I mean, again, if you think about it, the, the love that Luke has for his father does is ultimately what destroys Darth Vader. It's not his hatred of Darth Vader. But it's his love of Anakin that destroys Darth Vader. So once again, just like early Darth Vader was wrong to think that power could save Padme, not love. He's wrong to think that hatred can destroy his dark self rather than love.
1: Hmm. Oh, man. It's so funny you bring up that moment between Anakin and Padme because <laughs> that's my Vader temptation moment.
2: Excellent.
1: Um. Yeah. I I. I, I you know, I picked that because I figured you'd pick something with with Vader and Luke. Um, but yes, we can make things the way we want them to be. Is the line that I really focused in on because this is, you know, that moment is is really kind of where he's you know tempting her, trying to tempt her to join him. Is you know, we can make things the way we want them to be. We can we can make things. Good, The way you want them to be is essentially what he's saying Um, or trying to say. But of course, you know, it it doesn't land at all. The temptation fails. And Padme, you know, her heart breaks there in front of him. uh, And ultimately, that temptation is what drives them apart to the point where... I feel like is where she loses the will to live. You know, that's, that's at least a driving reason. And that temptation, uh, just seals for Padme. How Anakin has fallen and how lost and broken he is right now. Um, and now how he's no longer Anakin, how he is Darth Vader at this point. Um, and and that temptation, that failed temptation, leads to her death, which only drives Vader further and further away from any sort of redemption, at least for the time being. Um, it's only when the children of him and Padme come back into his life in a way that he rec- recognizes it, that it starts to break.
3: Mm.
1: Um, but... But it is very interesting to see how quickly he turns to tempting. Uh, Because, you know, he's only been Vader for maybe a day or two um, when she meets him on Mustafar. And he, you know, is, is quickly feeling the power that he thinks he now has and wants Padme by his side and... Knows that she wouldn't approve of the way he's doing things. So he tries to tempt her over. Yeah. Tries to say, hey, if you join me, we can do this the way you want to do it. Mm. Even that's a bridge too far for Padme. Right. So.
2: And interestingly enough, I feel like this temptation he's presenting to Padme. Well, and obviously in his mind, he's not trying to tempt her, right? Because – um, he 's trying to offer her something he 's offering her what he thinks she wants and I think in some ways this ultimately shows how Anakin and now Vader never really loved Padme for padme 's sake and what I mean by that is um, I think the ultimate you know the ultimate failure of their love is it is a very you know a lot of folks have talked about how. The love between Anakin and Padme is um, – it's more of an – well, more so from Anakin's perspective. It's more of an infatuation than an unconditional love. And mm-hmm. I think this moment kind of reveals the, the, the sad truth of that in the fact that if Anakin really knew Padme, really knew what she – I mean because she's not tempted for a second in that moment, right? She's no. not tempted even briefly like that's not who I am. That's not how I want – the world i mean look at the way they you know they jokingly have their little debate in attack of the clones there on their picnic you know like where he basically presents a dictatorship as being a possibly good thing and she's like come on are you serious um but he's just kind of joking there but at this point in the story by revenge of the sith he does think that that's it is the best way to restore order and it's just like padme's like are you kidding me do you even know me and i think this is where it reveals that no, Anakin really doesn't know what it means to love her because he's offering her something that he thinks she wants, but it's not what he knows she wants, if that makes any sense.
1: Well, I, I don't know about that because I think, I think he has definitely changed. Like there has been a dramatic shift inside of him and uh, all he knows how to do from this dark side perspective now is offer what he wants. Hmm. Um, which is the ability to make things the way that they want them to be. Um, he wants Padme. He still wants Padme. I think he knows when he leaves, you know, th- that part of that tear as he's looking over the lava flows of Mustafar after slaughtering the, um, Separatist
2: all the tiers. Separatist
1: council is he knows he's lost everyone and everything. Hmm. including himself Mm. and now he's in denial yeah i think that's part of it um and so all he can do in this state is offer something he craves and that's something padme cannot can't accept yeah so
2: yeah yeah um well in obviously so then, you know, in the in the, the sequel trilogy, we get what we thought was just kind of the Emperor two point which come to find out it was sort of true. Um in the character <laughs> of Snoke. Um and, you know, I still feel like there's a lot of backstory to be explored about how Snoke corrupts Ben Solo. And I know in that, you know, the the comic the four part comic series, The Rise of Kylo Ren, it's touched on, but I still don't feel like it was I don't know. I, f- I feel like that could still be fleshed out a lot more because it, it's kind of the moment right before he kind of turns like it's, it's kind of the culmination of that. But I'd like to see when Snoke first started kind of getting into him. Right. Because um, it sounds like it was a long process. That being said, though, um, I love the way Snoke kind of tempts and berates and belittles Kylo in uh, Last Jedi. Yes,
4: there it is. You have too much of your father's heart in you, young son. I killed Mansoul. When the moment came, I didn't hesitate. And look at you—the deed spread your spirit to the bone.
5: You were
2: unvanquished. That scene to me is just so good. Um It's it's one of my favorite parts of Last Jedi, but. Um. What's so interesting here is, and and I'm obviously kind of maybe looking at this in a different way to talk talk about how this is a temptation scene, um. But in a certain way, the the temptation here to Kylo is, you need to utterly eradicate any part of yourself that is a Solo, right? Okay. You have too much of your father's heart in you, young Solo. You know, that's the one thing Kylo has tried so hard to separate himself from is any sort of identification with who he was born as, Um, you know, and, um, you know, I think what Kylo is is, uh, what Snoke is tempting Kylo with here is, um, you know, if you really want to be Kylo Ren you have to destroy every part of yourself that has been solo. Yeah. Um, and I think that really ultimately shows in Kylo Ren's uh, thesis statement, if you will, for the last Jedi, which is um, let the past die, kill it. If you have to Right? this is kind of being informed by Snoke um, in that moment. And I'm sure it's not the first time, but um right. th- you know, the temptation here to Ben, what Ben really doesn't want to be considered is his father's son. He wants to be his own man. He wants to be his own person divorced from who his parents are. And what Snoke is tempting him with here is, Hey, that deed you did, well, it split you to the bone. You know, you're, you're still holding on to that other part of yourself. You're still holding on to your identity as Ben solo. Um, and, and right and what oh. happens ultimately right after that is he leads an assault on his mother's ship um and i think in that particular moment as he's being dressed down by snoke he does want to go show how much of kylo ren he is i think he does go there with the intent of taking out his mother he just can't do it yeah because as much as Snoke is tempting him to the dark, like Kylo still battles with the light that exists within him. Um, But yeah, you know, it's a, it's a very powerful scene where, um, and, and I think this is one of my favorite themes of last Jedi is just this, this question of lineage and this question of who you belong to and where do you come from and the importance of that. And yeah. For Kylo, he does not want to be defined by that. So this no. temptation here is that you're still Ben Solo. some You're still young Solo. You still have your father's heart. Um, telling him that he is in any way connected to that person is the one thing he doesn't want. So the temptation is to run out and do whatever he has to to make sure he kills every part of that part of his identity.
1: It's funny because... Later on, he yells to Ray, you know, you're still holding on. Let go. Yeah. And that could almost be him yelling at himself, too. Yeah. He can't drop it. He cannot divorce himself of who he is and where he came from. Now, it's it's up to us, you know, to do what we can with that. But who we are, where we came from, it's always a part of us. And there's only so much you can do to cut yourself off from it. And Snoke, I think, likes to try and keep Ben Kylo in this perpetual state of trying to separate who he was from who he wants to be. uh, Because that keeps him tied to Snoke
2: great way to tie that back into a previous point of yours i love that yeah yeah so um but yeah now there's and also that need to really eradicate luke you know Mm -hmm. oh you were being trained as a jedi by luke skywalker you gotta kill him you gotta kill him if you're gonna be your own person and
1: ultimately you know kylo rebels by slaying snoke instead um but still trying to prove that he is Kylo and not Ben in some way in that in that action as well. So it's it's a very confused decision on his part, but he makes that decision. So
2: Yeah. I love it.
1: Uh, yeah. But uh let's see. Why don't we why don't we back up to Force Awakens, though, because I wanted to get sort of a different take um, on on a temptation from from Snoke, and this has nothing to do with Kylo Ren, do with Hux. Ooh! So, um, and this is something I kind of had to look between the lines a little bit on, um, but I think the evidence for it is there, and the temptation of more power is what he keeps dangling in front of Hux. More power, more prestige. And that's why he has him in this sort of conflict, uh, this rivalry with with Kylo. Um, But he gives him Starkiller base and gives him that opportunity to to try and, uh, you know, take the drip of power and favor, um, you know that keeps being bestowed on little Hux uh, and drives him to the point where he is this rabid cur that Snoke talks about in the last Jedi. You know, he has his use, but that temptation that, you know, the palm out offering something while at the same time clubbing you back over the head with something else is this temptation to try and continue to prove yourself to be more powerful, to be better, to gain more favor, to gain more prestige within the First Order, so that you'll continue to do what he wants. And then ultimately that gets completely stripped away from Hux when Kylo kills Snoke. And what is what is that temptation of more power Uh, do to him when it's no longer flowing well he turns and tries to you know make kylo look foolish to defeat kylo ren not necessarily to the extent that it defeats the first order but he just he gets so obsessed with with this thing because he's no longer in favor because you can see he is now relegated down to a lower level by the time we get to Rise of Skywalker. But that drives him to the point where he betrays the First Order just to get back at Kylo Ren because he's the one who took away that power. So, of course, it doesn't end well for him either. Um, but, uh, you know, General Pride figures it out and, well, he goes flying across the room. <laughs> hole in his chest. But, um yeah, that was that was sort of an interesting thing because Snoke definitely has this this sort of two handed approach, you know, it favor with one hand, favor and power in one hand, just complete beatdown with the other. Um and that is his way to keep Hux under control um and craving more. Um that temptation for more and more and more of that as the First Order finally rises to its rightful place in the galaxy. And, you know, we see the fervor of this this temptation in his speech as Starkiller base, you know, blasts Hosnian Prime. So it, it is it's really kind of that thing where, you know, it's not explicitly stated in the movie, but the evidence for this is clear to see, in my opinion.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's that's I love that you're bringing in Huck's here, as (laughs) as the temptee. Um, Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, because it's it's creating this rivalry um, in a very specific way of just you know sharpening his two knives. Oh yeah, by keeping them pitted against one another, Um, and in even if like even now in light of nine, and we know that Snoke was just the puppet of Palpatine Palpatine still saw value in using Hux to sharpen Kylo so I don't think Snoke via Palpatine really ever cared much about Hux at the end of the day he was a tool to sharpen Kylo yeah. um, and how do you do that is, is you just keep tempting Kylo to have more power Um. and yeah that's that's a great point I love it
1: yeah no, H- Hux is as much a tragic character as anyone else, um, <laughs> because what he wants is never within reach. Right. So, yeah, and he dies trying to get it.
6: Yeah,
2: that's a great so. point. Well, um, just like Vader was uh, beholden to um, the Emperor, Kylo is also beholden to Snoke, and just like his grandfather also likes to learn how to tempt people. Um, So my moment of temptation that Kylo offers up, of course, is to Rey. um, And I'm going to go with the moment from Rise of Skywalker.
5: My mother was the daughter of Vader. Your father was the son of the Emperor. What Palpatine doesn't know is we're a dyad in the Force Ray. Two that are one.
3: We'll kill him
5: together and take the throne.
2: So um, it, I love that you brought the point that you did for for Darth Vader from Revenge of the Sith, because I think this is a similar type of type of moment. Um, but it, Kylo's temptation here, what he's with the temptation he's offering is one of belonging. Once again, I mean, it, it's a very similar um, offer that he makes in last Jedi. Um, but it has a little bit more clarity now. Um, yeah. whereas last Jedi is, is more of a, um, and like, a like he feels like there's something that brings them together here. He knows what it is. He's clearly defining it. Listen, we're a dyad in the force. Uh, yeah. we belong together and our destiny together is to overthrow the ultimate evil who is Palpatine, right? So this temptation that he's presenting to Rey is he's, he's inviting her into a sense of belonging, right? That's the character of Rey throughout the sequel trilogy is one who seeks belonging. And Kylo is saying to her here, you belong with me. Literally the, the, the force itself wills it. We're a dyad. We are, we literally belong together. And he's also trying to give this lens um, of what he thinks is good and right, especially for Ray. Listen, you belong, you know, this guy who who is your grandfather who also wants to kill you. Listen, we'll kill him and rule together. Um, right? So it ge- it would give her that um, that sense of belonging she's always been seeking for. And it would also allow her to do kind of at a base level what what isn't necessarily wrong which is kill the Emperor hey let's do it together it's gonna to take yeah. both of us anyway um but the the once again the problem is is Kylo is just not getting it quite right um there there's some truth to this Ray does need the help of Ben but she doesn't need the help of Kylo um and right, you get that very that wonderful little moment after she heals Kylo on kef beer, and she says, "I did want to take your hand, but ben 's hand um, and the reality is is the power of their bond is what will destroy palpatine, but it 's right. not for the purpose of taking the throne um and in a, in a really incredible way ray 's refusal of this temptation in this moment. Um and then how it leads her to heal Kylo on Kef Beer is she's doing what Luke did in a lot of ways. Um she is uh she's showing love. Um and you know, she does not this temptation to to belong to somebody for the sake of having power and being in control of everything, that's not that's such a great invitation. Um, so, you know, but in a very simple way, Kylo is offering her something she's always wanted. And once again, like I said, he's offering her a clear vision of where that comes from. Um, they are in fact a dyad. Um, and in Kylo's interpretation, it's going to take them as a dyad to defeat the ultimate evil. Um, and that's it's gonna leave Ray ultimately trying to understand what does it mean for me to be part of this dyad? Um and she does want to be connected. She does want that belonging with this person, but she wants it with Ben, not with Kylo. <clears throat> right. So yeah, you know, I think uh
1: it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because He's not wrong specifically he's just not fully right
5: mm-hmm.
1: you yeah. know the there is truth in what he says they are a dyad, they will kill the emperor together um but but the how and the who it is is not right yet. Um, and so in, in many ways, this is, a, you know, this is almost tempting her with the truth, but, um, it's not quite true yet. It's definitely closer than what Anakin offered Padme. You know, it, it is, it's a very interesting one because it, you know, it, it The dark side does tell the truth a lot, but it's a lot of selective truths that it tells. Um, And this is also part of that. You know, it 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 definitely flows out of, yes, this is true, but it's not everything Mm -hmm. that's true. You know, it's only part of it. Yeah. Uh, and, And Kylo can't see that yet and ray is confused and trying to process you know who she now knows herself to be to to you know see it either and so she just flees again to try and figure out what all this means so
2: yeah yeah um and i think you know the, this this temptation reduces ray to just being sort of a prodigy of her namesake. Yeah. Um, And in an interesting way that Kylo doesn't even seem to notice the irony of that, (laughs) you know, in the same way that he is not just Han Solo's son. She is not just the granddaughter of Palpatine. Um, So, you know, uh, it, it connects so well to that shared vision they have at the beginning of the movie, where Rey does see herself seated on the Sith throne with Kylo. Um, and by the way, it's very silly that we don't actually get to see that. <laughs> you know, she tells us that that's what she saw but in the actual vision part. I don't know why JJ didn't show us that. <laughs> it would have been very powerful. Um, but uh, you know, she she saw that, and it's what scares her because she thinks that there's something evil within her that's going to make her only be that that she'll only be able to be that evil part of herself. And in a way Kylo's Kylo's trying to give her that permission there of like, hey, that's all right. If, you know, be that part of yourself because we'll defeat the emperor together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um what what what's your Kylo-driven temptation?
1: Kylo-driven temptation for me um is actually his first temptation to Rey. All the way back in The Force Awakens, uh, in the snow, lightsabers locked uh, over the, the the precipice that opens up behind them, you know, and he's, you know, there, you know, he, he's obviously talked to, to Snoke about, you know, the fact that she's strong with the Force and could be trained and things like that. Um, and so he, you know, he tells her, you need a teacher. I can show you the ways of the Force, which is something that she is desperately trying to figure out right now. You know, in in the Force Awakens, it, it, it's all this new stuff to her, and she's desperately trying to figure out not only how does she use it, but what does it mean to for her to be able to use it. Where does that put her in this grander scheme of you know the Resistance versus the First Order, the Jedi versus the Sith? you know where does that all leave her um and it's interesting is he he tells her that but it makes it it crystallizes something within ray and makes her focus on the force itself rather than his offer his temptation to teach her and because he is tempting her, you know, it is an offer. I think it's a genuine offer because he, you know, there is something. There's something about her. He has no idea what it is, but there is something about her. Um, you know, she reached back into his mind, completely untrained, uh, and pulled out the fact that she's that he's afraid that he won't become, he won't live up to Darth Vader. Um. So there's something about her, but. She doesn't – she almost doesn't even register the temptation as a temptation, the offer as an offer because he says, you know, I can teach you the ways of the Force. And that crystallizes in her and makes her focus in on the Force itself, and that's what allows her to overpower him in the moment and defeat him in the duel. So that she can, you know, rescue Finn and escape with Chewie before the whole planet implodes. So, uh, Kylo doesn't have a lot of success with his tempt- temptations. <laughs> no. He's a, you know, he's definitely more like his grandfather in the fact that he's more of a, a, an aggressive force rather than t- a tempting force. But, being that he's drawing from the dark side, he does tempt. He's just not great at it. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it's a small moment, but it was something I wanted to pick up on because, you know, I I figured we'd talk a lot about, you know, some of the later temptations that, um, he gives Ray, but this is like the first one. This is the thing that really starts, this is the first overture he makes to try and get them to team up, to get them to become something together, and it's first as teacher and student.
2: Mm.
1: But then it becomes more and more personal as we go on. You know, so uh, so yeah, I just thought it was an interesting difference between this temptation and the rest of them because the things get more and more personal about, you know, a place to belong, a place to, to figure this stuff out. But this one is about her skills and her training. Um, so it's a little bit different than the than what he normally tries to tempt her with. So that was kind of why I wanted to bring this one up in particular.
2: Yeah, that's really great. I love that you did because it is, it's totally before any of those personal connections that they start to build in Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, you know, um, I'm trying to just like think of where Kylo's head is at in that moment. Um, you know, oh, he's why- all
1: messed up right now.
2: Yeah. So why does he want her? Why does he want to teach her specifically, right? That's that's the temptation in that moment is I'll teach you.
1: He's got to fill the void that he just left with his father's death. And he sees this opportunity. Hmm. You know, doesn't know how it's going to work. I don't think I don't think he's thinking that far ahead. Right. But he sees the opportunity to possibly fill that void that he is so obviously feeling, you know, as he's, you know, snarling in rage and anger, you know, throughout that duel. Um, so I think that's what it is. He's trying to fill the, the void left by his father.
2: That's, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, and like you said, obviously this, the invitation to Ray there, the temptation there is to just, Hey, I can show you this. I can show you what you need to do. Um, but it's, a, I mean, it's a, it's a quick, easy rejection for her though, too. Like you it just is. cut down the very brief father figure she had in Han Solo. Why the heck? She's not going to join you. No. Um, and that's why, no. like, I love that you kind of, kind of closed it out with this in so far as it is a very different type of temptation. This one's really more about the tempter than it is about the temptee. Yeah, right? it is. You know, this says a lot more about Kylo kylo's making a temptation but uh this is really more about him and i love that that he you know it's because he's trying to fill this this void within himself um so yeah that's great i love it um so we each have one more character that doesn't fall directly under the uh dark side sith mentality in and of itself and we wanted to give just Two specifically different characters. Jason and I each picked a different one um, Mm -hmm. that also present temptations in the story of Star Wars, uh, but just kind of in a little bit of a different way. And the character I picked is actually Grief Karga from The Mandalorian. Um, And obviously, Grief Karga is not a dark side user. He is not Sith. He is not even evil. Um, No, But he represents, you know, again, like, Mandalorian is great because uh, even in a similar way to what Solo gave us on the big screen is these are the these are stories about those shadows of the Empire. These are those characters who live in the perpetual gray of the Star Wars universe. And Grief Karga is one of those characters um, who lives, you know, in between the tyranny of the Empire and the chaos of the aftermath of the Galactic Civil War. Um, and ultimately, he's just looking out for himself, like most right. people that l- exist in that world, right? Most people that are the disenfranchised and forgotten kind of have to live in that world where they're just trying to make ends meet. But interestingly enough, grief Karga presents a very specific temptation and, and a very simple one to Mandalorian. So in chapter three, after the, the Mandalorian has delivered the child to the to the client. And he goes in his nice shiny new armor to seek Grief to get a new job. Um, he's on his way to leave and he says, what are they going to do with that child? And Grief just says, I didn't ask. It's against the code. Like he doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. And then he tr- presents kind of this very simple but base temptation to the Mandalorian. He just says, you know, buy some, I think it's Camp Noah spice or something. And, you know, by the time you've gotten there, you'll have forgotten all about it. So I love this temptation because it's so real. Um, You know, Mando, he's saying to him, you know, don't trouble yourself with worrying about this job. It's done. You got the reward for it. You did a great job. People even know your name more now. You got this great Beskar armor. Don't concern yourself with that child. Um, You know, just forget it. You know, and he's literally just telling him to, you know, go on, just numb yourself, you know, take something to forget about it. Yeah. And, you know, the temptation there is just ignore your inner conflict. Don't don't confront that part of yourself that's at war and don't even bother with it. Right. So it's not even like grief is saying, um, oh, don't worry about it. He'll, he'll be fine. He He doesn't try to help. The Mandalorian makes sense of this kind of moral conundrum. He's saying, "Just forget about it, right?" Yeah. And again, and so your I see this, this. Your part in this is done. Don't worry about the rest. Exactly. Um, and I think this is—it's just—it's the temptation. It's a temptation to just do the easy thing, you know. Don't concern yourself with it anymore. And I—and I don't see this as something purely evil. Like this isn't grief carga being evil, but it's just saying. You know, if you spend your time thinking about these moral implications of the job you're doing, you're not going to be a very good bounty hunter. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, just forget about it. And and I just – I love that reality of what Grief carger presents in that moment of just, you know, it's it's that temptation of whenever we're feeling that disconnect within ourselves from a decision we've made, you know – There's always just the temptation to like, "Ah, I don't like the discomfort of this, so I'm just going to numb it. And that can be, um, I'm going to throw myself into work more. I'm going to, you know, uh, work out extra hard and spend more time in the gym just to take my mind off things. I'm going to do stuff on social, right? Just whatever it is to numb yourself from that inner conflict is what grief is kind of providing here. And what's so interesting is, I think part of the, you know, obviously the Mandalorian does not give into that temptation. He's not going to just try to forget about it. And more than that, I think as he sits there on the razor crest deciding what to do, I think it shocks him that this child is now in the hands of ruthless men. It's in the hands of, you know, very ruthless people who don't care at all about this child. And because of the Mandalorian's own past as being a foundling, he just can't – he can't sit with that. He can't be OK with himself just leaving the child in the hands of those types of people. And while that's not a problem for grief Karga, that's a big problem for The Mandalorian. Um, yeah. So that temptation to just forget about it, to act like it doesn't matter, that's just not going to work for him. So no. he makes a choice and he goes back.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I like that one a lot because it is. It is so real and it is. it's something that we all – You know, have to wrestle with, uh, you know, I would say on a a fairly regular basis, you know, in ourselves because, you know, you you make decisions, there are choices that you do and and follow through and then you're like, is that the right thing to do? And, you know, whether it's maybe legal or not isn't necessarily the question, but, you know, there's always the temptation to say, well, it's not my problem. Mm Mm-hmm and just move on. Uh and and that's basically what grief Karga is presenting to to Mando. He's like, "Hey, it's not your problem anymore. You did your part in this. You got paid for it. You got all, you know, you got all this other stuff. Go treat yourself. You did good work. Forget about it." Yeah. Um but but sometimes you just can't just can't forget about it sometimes. So, That's really good. I like that a lot. It's a great temptation. So, (laughs) um,
2: well, give us your different character.
1: We're going to go to mother Towson and, uh, there's, there's a thread of temptation that she provides to a that goes over the course of essentially most of the night sister arc, uh, throughout the clone Wars, starting with her first appearance in season three, uh, Asaj comes back to the Night Sisters broken and bloodied from the betrayal of, of Dooku. And you know, she, you know, is, is nursed back to health and has the, the visions and the dreams of, of her past and everything like that with her Jedi Master Kyneric. Um but she comes out of it and sits up, you know, back is in her right mind again and and she says, you know, I must have my revenge, and the first thing Mother Towson says is, "Yes, you will," or something to that effect. I can't remember the exact phrase, but Mother Towson is constantly providing the temptation and the the ability to try to take vengeance for Asajj. Um, first with the att- uh, failed assassination attempt, with the Night Sisters and Ventress going to. Uh, Soreno and uh, Dooku, you know, throwing them all out the window with force lightning at the end of the, the duel. Um, then with the subterfuge of creating Savage Opress, you know, in order to replace Ventress. But that fails too, because Savage ends up going on his own path that doesn't line up with Ventress's revenge anymore. Mm. And she ends up with another failed vengeance against Duku. Um, but the problem with Talzin's, you know, continued attempts to help facilitate Ventress's vengeance and the temptations to continue to pursue that path by her willingness to help out with it comes with a high cost. Because not only does it practically wipe out the entire coven, uh, when Dooku sends Grievous and the droid armies to attack the Night Sisters, um, it leaves Mother Towson in, in sort of this spirit state, uh, and she only really she and she abandons Ventress. You know, Ventress is left on her own. So the temptation is left unfulfilled, and Ventress is left alone and adrift in the galaxy. And Towson turns her attention to Savage and Maul, and just drops Ventress. You know, it's, it's a really interesting set of circumstances. Um, but She provides the temptation of vengeance to Ventress repeatedly, multiple times, and neither of them seem to really consider the possible repercussions of what they're doing uh, until it's too late. And by then, Towson abandons Ventress Mm. because she failed again, you know, and Ventress, you know, screams out at the end of that episode, you know, for mother, you know. And just, you know, she's left alone and broken and has to find her own way in the world now, which is when she starts, you know, making some interesting friends considering her past. Um, So, (laughs) and it's a little funny that she ends up on the opposite side of things of Savage and Maul, considering where Mother Towson stands on those two. Mm. So. Um. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a really interesting story thread um, with those two and the the temptation that that Mother Towson continues to help facilitate for Ventress and the repercussions that happen because of it.
2: Yeah, I I, I love I love this uh, this aspect of this temptation she's providing to Ventress time and time again is to just take vengeance, Mm -hmm. um, kind of going, you know, I I kind of just want to tie that even to the, the, the first opening thing I talked about with Palpatine, which is ultimately these, the temptation is to reduce you to your animalistic self, right? The desire for vengeance, the desire for revenge is, it's a very juvenile desire. It's a very animalistic desire. Um, You know, I I don't want to go so far as to say that it's evil, um, but it's not good. (laughs) You know, Um, you know that's not how you create justice. um, For instance, is an act of vengeance. Um, Oh, you know, I mean it because ultimately it boils down to, well, he started it, he did it first. That's what children say. That's what children do. And what Ventress is being presented by Talzin is just. Well, you're really angry at Duku. He he really did you dirty. He replaced you with Savage. Kill him. Go get him. Get him. <laughs> you know. Go make this right. But the thing is, his vengeance never makes anything right. Um, no, it doesn't. And uh, right. So and this, and the the sad thing about Asajj is, you know, she's coming out of a very dysfunctional uh, apprenticeship to Duku. Gets tossed aside. And now she's going to get tossed aside by Mother Talzin. And it's just so interesting that she's even called Mother um, because she's not being a mother. Um, And the fact that Ventress gets left all alone is, I think, you know, again, that strong correlation of when, when you are tempted to just act at your worst self, that's ultimately what will happen to you is you're going to get left alone. Yeah. You know? Obviously, the biggest person to ever give in to temptation in Star Wars, like we've talked about, is Anakin, who becomes Darth Vader, and he's left alone. Um, Kylo gives in to the temptation of Snoke to try to eradicate who he was before. He's left alone. right? All That beautiful shot of him in Last Jedi, just looking at the troops and whatnot, all by himself. When we are tempted to be reduced to just that most base part of ourselves, that most kind of juvenile parts of ourself it ultimately leaves us alone you know it does it, it, and um and i think that's why like when we look at so many of the folks who are tempted in this story and in, in the things we've talked about in the episode is those who reject these temptations always end up better off yes um and we see who doesn't right yeah. um so yeah that's great stuff. I love it.
1: Yeah. No, it's really cool. I love this episode. This is terrific. Oh, man.
2: Yeah. I'm glad that I could talk about the Emperor and the, and Grief Karga in the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's
1: uh, it's quite, a, quite a feat that we managed there.
2: Yes, I'll say. Um, so those are just some of the temptation moments that we really like. But all of this talk of of mostly dark and even Mother Telson obviously does use mostly the dark side of the force. Um we wanna mm-hmm. ask you for our next poll who your favorite dark side user is.
1: Yes. So who is your favorite dark side user? I wonder who I'll pick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um But Carl, if people want to weigh in on our poll for not next week but next uh, official Wampus Lair episode because next week is the uh, Lessons of Star Wars, right? Is that what you're calling it? Yes. Yes,
2: So next week, uh, I'm I'm really excited uh, to have have a a great guest on to do another episode of Star Wars Lessons. Um, I'm really excited. She's got some really interesting takes on Star Wars, so I'm, I'm excited to have her on the show next week
1: excellent uh, but the week after that we'll be back uh, for another regularly scheduled Wampus Lair episode and so Carl if people want to weigh in on our matchup for that episode or not our matchup our poll for that episode where can they do that sir
2: uh, of course we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair um, you can find us on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast you can always email us at WampasLairPodcast at gmail.com. and of course you can find us on Instagram at the Wampas Lair
1: Indeed. All right. Um, well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. Stick around for the next episode of the uh, A New Hope radio drama. But this has been episode number three hundred and ninety-seven of the Wampus Lair podcast. Temptations and Tempters for Carl. I'm Jason. We'll see you next time here. The Wampus Lair.
4: Episode 8, Death Star's Transit. long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution, when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. The Princess Leia Organa, an Imperial Senator from the planet Alderaan, is also a leader in the secret councils of the Rebel Alliance, but her most daring mission, to deliver the plans for the empire's most awesome weapon, has failed. A last desperate bid to get the information into Rebel hands before being captured, she has placed it in the memory banks of the astro droid R2-D2. And though Princess Leia is unaware of it, R2 has come into the possession of Luke Skywalker and the veteran Jedi Knight, Ben Kenobi. Taken prisoner by Darth Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith, Leia Organa is aboard a cruiser of the Imperial Starfleet en route to the Death Star. A stupendous space-going battle station.
7: Navigator, estimated time of arrival at the Death
0: Star. Fifteen minutes, sir. We're getting clearance to enter the outer defensive zones now.
5: Carry on. Lord Vader? Yes, Captain. We're right on schedule, Lord Vader. Excellent. Lord Vader. Well, Commander? We have the prisoner outside, sir. What are your orders? Escort her in, Commander. Yes, sir. The prisoner will step forward. Commander, you needn't be so curt with my guest.
6: Guest? I'm warning you, Commander,
5: Vader. you and your men may post yourselves by the hatch. Yes, sir. And that will be all for now, Captain. As you wish, Lord Vader.
6: You've overstepped yourself, Vader. Firing on my ship and taking me captive. The Imperial Senate will not no take this... No l- longer
5: presents any obstacle to me. You'd do better to worry about your own well-being, Princess Leia.
6: You won't succeed, you know. You will never be able to crush the rebellion. I didn't have
5: you brought here to listen to more of your pointless ranting, Your Highness. You're so upset that you haven't taken time to glance out of the main viewport at our destination. (sighs) The Death Star. Quite right. Closer to completion than even your rebel agents estimated. I thought the sight of it might shock you into revealing that you knew of its existence. I...
6: would heard vague rumors in the Imperial Senate, nothing more. You've proved nothing, Vader.
5: You knew of the Death Star. You also intercepted the Rebel message transmitting the technical design data for it. I'm offering you one last chance to tell me what you did with those plans. Once we've docked in that battle station, much harsher and more direct means will be used to question you. you
6: dare you'll never get away with this
5: you think not look princess gaze upon the death star the mightiest war machine that humankind has ever produced
6: it's obscene an obscene invention of twisted minds
5: see that great circular dish that is the prime weapon mere starfleet's pale by comparison has the power to destroy entire worlds.
6: You're insane. You, the Emperor, the military, you've all gone mad. Don't
5: be too preoccupied with the Death Star Princess Leia. It is after all no more than a machine, but it is indicative of the might of the Empire, strength that will inevitably crush your pitiful rebel alliance. Now let me ask you again. What have you done with the plans? I see you have no intention of cooperating. Very well, your fate is upon your own head. Rest assured that you will tell me what I wish to know. Commander. Lord Vader. Take her to her quarters. When we've docked at the Death Star, have her transferred to the detention levels there. Yes, Lord Vader. (laughs) You're about to find out what it means to defy the Empire, Your Highness. A lesson that will soon be learned by the whole galaxy.
3: General staff meeting still scheduled to proceed on time, Admiral Model? As
0: soon as the Grand Moff Tarkin arrives, General Tag, he's gone to the docking bay to greet Lord Vader in person. Vader. Has he recovered the stolen plans? I think not, General, but my sources inform me that he has taken a captive. The
3: Princess Leia Organa. Leia Organa? Has Vader lost his mind? He's gone too far this time, Marty. This dark lord of the Sith whom the Emperor has inflicted upon us will be our undoing. And we remain vulnerable until the Death Star is fully operational. You worry too much, Tag. Marty... ...you still don't seem to realize how much of a threat the Rebel Alliance is. It's not just that they're becoming better organized and acquiring more ships and better equipment. They're driven, don't you understand? They're fanatics. They may be dangerous to your Starfleet, but not to this battle station. The Rebellion will continue to gain the tacit support of the Senate as long as they're... Ah, Governor Tarkin, Lord Vader...
7: The Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us... Lord Vader brings word that the Emperor has dissolved the council permanently. Senate dissolved? Hmm. The decree was carefully worded, of course, invoking the current emergency and the rebel violence. But the last remains of the old republic have been swept away.
3: But how will the Emperor maintain control, Governor
7: Fear will keep the worlds of the Empire in line. Fear of this battle station.
3: And what of the rebellion? If the rebels have a... Complete technical readout of the Death Star. It's possible, however unlikely, that they might find a weakness and exploit it. If it's destroyed or even severely damaged, our main deterrent power will be gone.
5: The plans to which you refer will soon be back in our hands.
0: That is beside the point. Any attack made by the rebels against this battle station would be a useless gesture, no matter what technical data they've obtained. The Death Star is now the ultimate power
5: in the universe. Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force.
0: Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion hasn't helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes or given you clairvoyance enough to find the Rebels hidden for-
5: Are you having difficulty breathing, Morty? Is your throat constricted as though some force were at work? I find your lack of faith disturbing, Morty.
7: Enough of this. Vader, release him.
5: As you wish, Governor.
7: This bickering is pointless. Lord Vader will interrogate Princess Leia and provide us with the location of the Rebel Fortress by the time this station is operational. That should take no longer than two more work shifts. We will then be free to demonstrate our full power and crush the Rebellion with one swift stroke.
5: I hope you find your quarters adequate, Princess Leia.
6: Vader, I demand that I be released from this cell and given access to formal legal proceedings.
5: Spare me your indignation, Your Highness.
6: What's that, Vader?
5: This machine? It is called an interrogation device. But there are those who call it other things.
6: A torture robot. This violates every rule of law the in The law every no gal-
5: longer applies to you. You're a rebel. You've refused your one chance for mercy. And now, your highness, we shall discuss the location of your hidden rebel base.
6: Vader, keep that away from me.
5: The injection arm is primed. Now tell me, where is the rebel fortress? I
6: don't know. What you mean? So be it. No. No. Let go. You stop that.
5: Hold still, you little fool. There is no escape. No, no. hear my voice? Oh. No. Princess Leia Organa, listen to my voice. Oh. Pay attention to my voice. That's right. You hear only my voice. Listen to it. Trust it. I am your friend. No. Yes. No. All your secrets are safe with me. You can trust me. I am a member of the Rebel Alliance, like you. We must know what you did with those tapes. The The technical plans for the Death Star. What did you do with them? Where are they? The Rebels need to know. Help us, Leia. We need them, Leia. What happened to those tapes? No. Where are they? I can't. You must. I can't. It's your duty. duty. No, no.
6: Yes.
5: Your duty to our <gasps> rebel alliance. Your obligation to Alderaan and to your father. Your father commands you to tell us.
6: <laughs> My
5: yes. Don't you wish to please your father? Yes. Then tell me what you did with those plans. Say the words. But, your father but orders you to tell father
6: us. Would... No.
5: You try my patience. No. Tell me I what was would... done with those plans. No. Listen to my voice. You are now in great pain, excruciating pain. No. Oh, pain. A universe of it. Your world is nothing but pain. Tell me what I wish to know. me. Tell me what I wish to know. Where are the plans?
6: I can't
5: tell. Your skin is afire. fire. You're burning. Your nerve endings are inflamed. Your flesh is being torn apart. I will when you've told me where the plans are. Oh, please, You're dying in please. torment. Where are the Death Star plans? Oh, where is the Rebel fortress?
6: I can't it. There are
5: only seconds left. Your heart is about to burst and the breath of life is nearly gone. I won't. You must stop. You are no longer dying. No longer in pain. Your mind is a blank. You float without a thought or concern.
7: Lord Vader, is anything wrong?
5: No! Get out! Wait. Have a medical tech see to the prisoner. Make sure she suffered no serious damage. Have her fortified so that she can take another round of interrogation. Yes, Lord Vader. I shall be back. Soon. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
0: Death Star is now 100% functional. Including our prime weapon? Completely operational. This station can destroy any planet you care to select. (laughs) The entire Starfleet in pitched battle couldn't stop us. (laughs) You now have in your hand the power of life and death over every living thing in the galaxy. Life and death. Death. ...ultimate power. It rests with you now. And with the Emperor, of course. To be sure, Governor, that's what I meant. Only the Emperor is far from here. Actual command of the Death Star is yours?
5: Yes. Lord Vader. Uh, I'm informed that the station is now fully operational. Yes, Vader, that's correct. We
0: need only a word from the Governor to begin operations.
5: In the service of the Emperor...
0: Uh, Quite so. In the service of the Empire.
5: And the Emperor. He chose well when he selected you to oversee construction of the Death Star, Governor Tarkin. Lesser men might have harbored some foolish thought of betrayal. Ambition has been the downfall of many. Uh, Indeed.
7: But the Emperor is assured of my loyalty. Is that not so,
0: Motti? Implicitly, Governor Tarkin.
5: Now, Vader, what of the princess? She resisted the first interrogation session. Her innate willpower is formidable, and it has been augmented with certain physical and mental disciplines. No matter. I shall wear her down in time. But
7: how can that slip of a girl defy you? It's ludicrous.
5: I believe that she still holds hope that the stolen plans will eventually be delivered into rebel hands. Futile, of course. But it sustains
7: her. But you've broken hardened, resolute men with relative ease.
5: It is difficult to crush a prisoner's will until one has obliterated their hope. I
7: think you're too easy with her, Vader. Put aside your mind drugs and tell her suggestions. There are old methods, tried and true ways of making a captive speak. Phantom pain is something against which she can defend herself. But against the real thing, her resistance will collapse.
5: I think not. She is a member of the Royal House of Alderan and of the Imperial Senate. She has had access to many family and governmental secrets. She has been specifically trained and prepared to withstand conventional questioning. I would have to apply levels of pain so high as to risk killing her. And what of it? She must be
7: disposed of in time anyway. But the Princess is my one lead to the rebels. I cannot chance losing her just yet. Well, you haven't much time, Lord Vader. With the Death Star completed, I must take vigorous action against the rebels as soon as possible. The Emperor expects great things of this battle station, and of
5: me. Without the information that Leia Organa is protecting, your best efforts will be wasted. But I will demolish her defenses, rest assured.
7: I've always found your methods needlessly elaborate, Vader They are effective Nevertheless, I am open to suggestions That is wise Stubbornness such as Princess Leia's can often be circumvented by applying threats to some third party What do you propose? I think it's time we demonstrated the full power of the Death Star I have it in mind to do so in a fashion that will be doubly useful Admiral Motti? Sir? Tell your programmers to set a course for the Alderaan system.
0: With pleasure, Governor Tarkin. Lord Vader?
7: <laughs> you see, Vader, the third party we shall threaten is the entire population of her own planet.
5: Alderaan is one of the foremost of the inner systems.
7: The Emperor should be consulted. Do not think to challenge me. You're not confronting Tag or Motti now. The Emperor has given me a free hand in this affair. The decision is mine. And... You will have your information that much sooner. Just so. I'm glad you agree. The Empire is vast, and even a weapon as magnificent as the Death Star can only be in one place at a time. A major part of this station's value is as a deterrent. We must prove to the galaxy that we are prepared to use it at the slightest provocation.
5: If your plan serves our purpose, it will justify itself.
7: The stability of the Empire is at stake. A planet is a small price to pay.
0: We've entered Alderaan's solar system, Governor Tarkin, and assumed orbit around the planet.
7: Make sure we're well out of range of the explosion. Is our prime weapon prepared?
0: Primary ignition can proceed immediately upon your command, sir. Here is the prisoner.
6: Governor Tarkin... I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board.
7: Charming to the last. You don't know how hard I found it signing the order to terminate your life, Princess Leia.
6: I'm surprised you had the courage to take the responsibility yourself.
7: <laughs> Before your execution, I would like you to be my guest at a ceremony that will make this battle station operational. No star system will dare oppose the Emperor now.
6: The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers.
7: Not after we demonstrate the power of the Death Star. In a way, you have determined the choice of the first planet to be destroyed. And it is for that reason that I've had you brought here to the observation deck. Admiral Motti, have the view screens activated. At once, sir. Since you're reluctant to provide us with the location of the rebel base, Your Highness, I've chosen to test the Death Star's destructive powers on that lovely blue world you see on our view screens. Your home planet of Aldaran.
6: But Aldaran is peaceful. We have no weapons. You can't possibly do that. You prefer that.
7: another target? A military target? Then name the system.
6: No. I absolutely will please.
7: I grow tired of asking this So for the last time Where is the rebel base? Dantooine
6: They're on Dantooine
7: There, you see Vader She can be reasonable Continue with the operation, Admiral Motti You may fire when ready What? You're far too trusting Dantooine is too remote to make an effective demonstration. But don't worry, we shall deal with your rebel friends soon enough.
0: Commencing primary ignition, Governor Tarkin.
6: No, no, you can't do this.
0: Targeting computer locked in.
6: No, please, no.
0: Opponent energy. Introducing...
6: No, Tarkin, please, I beg you, in the name of mercy, please. Fire in no, no.
5: The prime weapon is even more powerful than we'd calculated, Governor (laughs)
6: Targon. Indeed.
0: Sensors indicate total destruction of the planet, Governor Tarkin.
6: Father! Oh, my poor, poor Alderaan!
0: Return
7: her to the detention level, Lord Vader.
6: Oh, Targan! If ever there was a shred of humanity in you or these twisted creatures of yours, it's dead now. You're at war with life itself. You are enemies of the universe. Your empire is doomed.
7: Take her away.
5: You sent for me, Governor Tarkin?
7: Yes, Vader. We should be receiving word from our scouting expedition very soon.
5: Giving you your opportunity to, how did you put it, extinguish the Rebellion?
7: Precisely. In the space of a single day, I will effectively eliminate all organized resistance to the Empire.
5: Indeed. What of the search for the plans? I am convinced that the Princess sent them down to the planet Tatooine with a pair of droids. A short time ago, a starship made a highly illegal blast-off from Mos Eisley spaceport on Tatooine after her crew exchanged fire with a squad of stormtroopers. The ship got through our blockade somehow and entered hyperspace, evading pursuit. The droids in question were thought to be aboard her.
7: And our stormtroopers were outfought? Our starfleet evaded? How is this possible? Whose ship was it?
5: That is difficult to say. She had false identification markings and a forged registration. Moreover, she was an extremely fast and elusive vessel, probably piloted by one of the smugglers who congregate in that region.
7: So, the traitors have joined hands with criminals, and once again you failed to regain those plans.
5: Our enemies are resourceful, but if you destroy the rebel base as you've resolved to do, the plans become a secondary concern. Is that not so? Yes. When we've wiped out the
7: fortress on Dantooine, the matter will be virtually settled.
0: Well, what is it, Motti? Our scout ships have reached Dantooine. they found the remains of a rebel base, but they estimate it's been deserted for some time. They're now conducting an extensive search of the solar systems. She lied. Leia Organa lied to
5: us. I told you she would never consciously betray the rebellion. Then her life is forfeit.
7: Motti, have the Princess Leia Organa terminated.
3: Immediately.
4: The Death Star is now a reality, capable of placing the entire galaxy within the Empire's grip. But on their way to the Alderaan system, unaware of the planet's destruction, are Luke Skywalker and his companions aboard the starship Millennium Falcon, holding the galaxy's single hope for an end to Imperial tyranny. Star Wars, Episode 8 by Brian Daly, based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were David Clennon as Mati, Keen Curtis as Tarkin, Brock Peters as Darth Vader, and Ann Sachs as Leia. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams sound design for lucasfilm by ben burt story editor for the series was Lindsay smith casting and production coordination by mel sar executive producer was richard Toskin. executive producer for lucasfilm was carol titelman